Craig Smith, the Rhino, former NBA player, NBC legend. Losing the ball, Smith has it. Hudson, bounce pass to Craig Smith, puts it down. Who's afraid of that big bad wolf? My guy met a world peace pipe. Man, a hell of a name, I'm not gonna lie to you. I want to shout out to the halftime basketball community from E. Devendor, former Syracuse basketball player. Metal World Peace Pipe, what's going down? It's the big baller, baby. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to the halftime community from the big baller himself. That's right. You guys keep it right and tight. Keep doing your thing. Because Big Baller Brand is in the building. And you know how we gets down. But anyways, y'all do y'all thing. And we going to do our thing. Because Big Baller's got to stick together. Again, shout out to the halftime community. That's right. Big Baller's out, baby. And I holla. All right, I'm back here again, back again with Mr. Nappy's Roots. He is kind enough to join us, back with all of us again, and we're going to be rolling through the playoff matchups here. I want to get, I want to start with the game that just concluded. Uh, full disclosure here, we'll, we're taping on the 23rd, about 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern. So the Knicks Hawks haven't played yet. They're about to tip off. Um, so there are a couple games still to be played, but coming right off that Lakers Suns game. What's your instant reaction as far as game one, the Suns taking it there? Frank Vogel must make the necessary adjustments to combat Phoenix's ability to go four out, one in, and to somehow have LeBron guard D-Book. Lakers do those things. Lakers will be able to advance in six. If they do not make the adjustment, it may be an early round exit. And the Lakers had to go into the go through the playing game just to make the playoffs. But for the Lakers, don't panic yet. You just need to find more time for Caruso. Find some more time for Morris. Uh, Kuzma, I don't really hold too much stock in him. Schroeder needs to play like he did in OKC. Um Gasol needs some more PT. Drummond is a sinking. They should have never brought him on board. So the ladies got to make adjustments. Or they may have to get real desperate and say, hey, Jason Kidd, can you come out of retirement? Yeah. Throw, throw some lobs up there for AD or something. But that I think I'm, I'm with you. My biggest takeaway is, <clears throat> first of all, as much as I love the Lakers fans panicking and it's fun to watch, um, I would definitely tell them, it's not time to panic yet. You know, it's only in one game. And if the Lakers take game two, I, I think, you know, that's a ton of momentum. If the Lakers are able to tie it up one-to-one going back to Los Angeles, that they just swung the momentum. So it can change that quickly. Um, the biggest problem for me, you know, Lakers fans are pointing the finger at Vogel and Andre Drummond, Kuzma, all those role players. But LeBron and AD, if they don't come to play every single night in the playoffs— they're they're just not going to make it all the way. That's it's just that plain and simple. LeBron and AD did not bring it, you know, as they should in the playoff game until the fourth quarter, and then all of a sudden they turned it on. But they tried to do that same thing tonight, and it just did not work for them. So LeBron and AD, it's really going to run through them, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely. Like you can't manage their time like you did during the regular season. Your stars got to play like stars. Every single night, this playoff atmosphere is a grind. I mean, look, people can turn it on and off during the regular season. You can't turn it on and off during the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. And they tried to do that in the play-in game. It worked. Uh, LeBron went off in the fourth quarter, you know, had that big game-winning three, game-sealing three-point shot. But that's just not going to work in a seven-game series. You're not going to be able to do that every night, especially out in the West. With all these talented teams, you got Phoenix, Utah, Denver, Portland, Dallas, Los Angeles Clippers. You know, any of those teams could really give them a run for their money. Yeah, it's a dogfight in the Western Conference. Um, I mean, look, Phoenix can make it all the way to the conference finals. Like, I mean, you look at all these uh, playoff matchups. I mean, you got the Clippers in Dallas. I mean, that's a very interesting matchup. 
I think Dallas has more depth. They have more scores. Um, so if KP doesn't show out, they have depth, especially on the wing. And they, they can give the Clippers problems. The Clippers, all they have is pandemic P. Y'all know which P you're going to get. And Kawhi. You know, that trade of uh, Lou Will for Rondo, actually, I don't believe it helped him. Because Lou Will was their third scorer. So one of one of them had an off day. Lou Will comes off the bench, scores with 22. And then he scores with 13 in the fourth quarter. So you're good. Yeah, and now they're looking to guys like Luke Kennard and Reggie Jackson and uh, Nick Batum, you know, give me something. Or one of the Morris twins, give me something. And that's just not, yeah, not a recipe for winning the whole thing, winning the championship. You can get through the regular season like that, but it's going to be tough in the playoff. Yeah. When, if Kawhi's having an off night or, like you mentioned, Pandemic P comes out to play. All of a sudden, you're looking at guys like Reggie Jackson and Luke Kennard to get you buckets, and they're not necessarily going to bring it every night. Exactly. Like, the Clippers doing Clipper things like signing Luke Kennard to a four-year, $64 million deal. Um, not a good look. That's not even for trading purposes. They're like, hey, Luke Kennard, like, hey, he's going to get us over there, but he can't play defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's really a hot and cold player. A lot of those Clippers players are. Um, so let's just jump straight to that series. Mavs, Clippers, uh, everybody thought, you know, in their heart of hearts, this was going to be a highly contested series. Mavs go ahead and take game one, back and forth type game, but they end up pulling it out in the second half. Uh, Luca, you know, he's going to put up his points, rebounds, assists every single game. The offense is going to run through him. So what did you take out of that first game between the Lakers, um, excuse me, the Mavericks and the Clippers? Um, I know the, the Stars are going to do their stuff. It, it's going to come down to the role players. And Dallas's role players came and produced. We saw Tim Hardaway Jr. score 21. Um, Dorian Finley-Smith, um, Finley-Smith, he, he scored in double figures. Uh, Jalen Brunson, he also scored in double digits. KP. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't on top of his game, but they had the depth to withstand that, and they won. So that's what's going to come down to me. I think Dallas just has more more scores, more shooters, uh, more guys that they can depend on than the Clippers. I mean, with Sergi Barker just recently came back, and he was gone for what thirty games mm-hmm. off of a off of an injury that I thought we only put him out for like five or six games, and I mean, that's crazy. So he needs to get his sea legs back. And, I mean, I, I'll give it up to Nick Batum. I mean, he's he's been serviceable. And I'll put, put it to you like that. He's been very serviceable this year. Um, we're, we're not going to see the Rondo that scored, what, 42 points against Miami as a Boston Celtic. We're not going to see that in Clippertown this year or ever. Um, you know, Zubac. DG just not a good enough defender. And I mean, they don't have enough horses, unfortunately. And I don't see this Clipper team being looking the same next year. I mean, does Kawhi sound long term, even though he's from LA? Could he jump to the other LA team? Or, you know, I just don't see I don't see that team the way that it is. I know uh Paul George got his contract so he's going to be there and it's going to be his responsibility to you know rebuild his reputation um especially in the playoffs but Kawhi has a lot of say and the way that this contract is structured he could stay for a long time or he could stay for a short time he does have that flexibility so I don't know I think if the Clippers lose in the first round I don't see Kawhi being there next year yeah, I, I think that's definitely right on. Uh, if he flames out in the first round again, he, he's probably going to, at the very least, opt out of his contract and, you know, test the waters. And maybe he does end up coming back to Los Angeles and playing for the Clippers at the end of the day. But he's at least going to test the waters. Maybe Miami, maybe Dallas could be a fit for him. Dallas is freeing up a lot of money this offseason. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, he would be a nice fit b- beside Luka and KP. 
So that's, you know, he goes out to Dallas. Maybe he says, you know, I'm going to jump ship and go go there with the young buck and Luka Doncic. Very interesting. I like that. Yeah. Uh, that's something I've seen floated out there. Also, the biggest one people like to point to is Miami. Um, you know, he's tight with Jimmy Butler. He could be a fit for that heat culture uh, that they have out there and Pat Riley and everything they got going down in Miami. So that could be a fit as well. That's a little bit tougher with the money situation. They'll have to unload some cap and all that and work some things around. But yeah, I mean, it could, it could definitely be, it'll definitely be more likely a sign and trade scenario. Miami could give up some depth. Um, and that's just why I wants to go. And he wants to go to Miami. If I'm the Clipper, the first person I'm asking is Tyler Harrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think if Miami's going to make that. If you don't get hero, you do not try Kawhi. Yeah, they're going to have to give up something that hurts. So Duncan Robinson um, has a little bit less trade value that I'd say right now than Tyler Hero. So Tyler Hero would probably have to be included in that deal for sure. Possibly also Oladipo. Mm-hmm. Probably, you know, do like a one, maybe two-year deal. Probably two-year deal. Because, you know, there's been rumblings that um, he may have to be out all next year due to his injuries. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, Miami has the pieces to make a trade happen. They just got to work the money out. And, you know, speaking of Miami, I'm greatly disappointed in them. Greatly. Yeah, that was because- that was an interesting game. Um, they kind of faded away in the second and third quarter and then tried to make it all back up in the fourth quarter. Um, the thing that I didn't like about that first game against the Bucks, which they ended up losing in OT, it was a hard-fought game, very physical, so that was that was good to see. You expect that between those two teams. But Jimmy Butler, you know, he played really well, and you can't knock Jimmy Butler. He's always going to try. But I remember last year in the bubble when it was winning time and they really needed a bucket – He would go to the rim every single time, maybe pop a 15-footer if it was open, but he was trying to get to the rim and shoot free throws at the very least, draw a foul, if not, you know, score a layup, score an and one. And in this game versus Milwaukee, I don't know if it was just tired or whatever happened, but he he was putting up a lot of threes in crunch time, which is just not his game whatsoever. So, um, what was your takeaway from that first game? Yeah, like... What Jimmy Butler has to do, he has to get to his spots. He is not a three-point shooter. He typically doesn't take a lot of three-pointers. Um, and yeah, I mean, you got to play your percentage game. Like he—he's he, a mid-range. He's an inside guy. You—you—you uh, you, you got to get to your spots. And if you tire, you can't get to your spots. Then you're gonna have to tough it out on defense, or you need to be a facilitator and get other guys involved. Um. So I, I expect Jimmy B to rebound um, in game two. I mean, because he has to. I mean, look, Miami got the um, – Miami has the basically the same team that they had last year that made it to the finals, that gave Lakers fits. The Bucks, basically, I want to say same team as last year because they, they have Drew Holiday and DeFacenjo is in the uh, starting lineup. Um, the, you know, those are two good additions uh, to the lineup. Um, I don't like I don't like neither there's neither there's chances to advance out of the East. Um, I mean, Milwaukee, they just need they need something else. I don't know what it is. Brooke Lopez ain't it. Mm-hmm. Um, even if they had him and his brother, that's still in it. Um, maybe Giannis, maybe Giannis gets a, th- a three-point shot possibly, and that makes him basically like Thanos or something. <laughs> um, but right now you 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 can stop him. I mean, he's not even taking the last shot. Is Chris Middleton? Yeah, and that's that's always been the deal with Milwaukee. If you've ever watched them in the playoffs the past couple of years. Uh, when they need that game-winning shot or the game-tying shot or a close game in the final five minutes, they always give it to Chris Mill, Chris Middleton and say, you know, 
make chicken salad out of this chicken s and that's pretty much their go-to mike budenholzer's go-to at the end of the games and it worked out in the first game as we saw mm-hmm. chris middleton hit a great shot and he's hit a lot of clutch shot um the past couple of years in the playoffs with yeah. teams and guys all over him because they know what's going to happen you know every team knows when it comes down to it they're going to give the ball to chris middleton and tell him to make it happen and he made it happen so Props to him, but like you said, um, I expect Miami to at least take a couple games off the Bucks and make it a tight series towards the end here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't expect anything less. You know, I mean, you look at Miami, you know, saved him as last year, so you expect them to get back to the level where they were last year. Mm-hmm. Could, 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 they, could they make it to the finals? They could. I mean, again, um, I don't see anybody knocking Brooklyn off. And that's crazy because remember we talked and, you know, when the Harden trade went down, I was like, this is not good. Wow. I was wrong. Yeah. The thing for me, uh, we'll transition straight over to Brooklyn um, Nets versus Boston Celtics. The thing for me from the very beginning with that trade was, this is exactly why you're making that trade. And we saw it in the first game. The Celtics got off to a really good start. Uh, I think they were up by 10, 12, maybe 15 points um, in the first and second quarter. And they were kind of keeping the Brooklyn Nets at a distance. But then once it got close and KD was just hitting some mid-range jumpers when they needed it, once it got close, it was just over because you can't. If you're the Boston Celtics or a lot of other teams in the NBA, you're just not going to be able to keep pace with them when the score, you know, gets tied or the Brooklyn Nets go up by two. All of a sudden, you're you're the pressure's on because you have to make a shot every time down the court because you know they're about to do the same. So it's it's just really it's going to be really tough. It's going to take a lot to beat them in a seven game series. Yeah, I've been most I've been most impressed with James Harden and his fit with Brooklyn. Um, he's, you know, been more of a facilitator this year and that has definitely benefited, uh, KD and Kyrie. Um, it just, it's really tough to defeat a three-headed monster. You know, even, even if Boston had, a, you know, a healthy Kimball Walker and, I mean, a completely healthy Kimball Walker and then a healthy, um, Jalen Brown. I still don't think Boston has enough juices. And this falls on the inability of Danny Ainge to bring the right star to get Boston over the hump. They have a great system. Brad Stevens is a great coach. They've always lacked that star to get them over the hump. They failed to address that at the trade deadline. They should have went with a home run. They ended up going, ended up getting hit on base and making it at first um, with the um, acquisition of Evan Fournier. And the signing of Tristan Thompson, I, I mean, Kardashian, I never liked it at first uh, because they already had somebody that was better in Robert the Time Lord. Williams, who blocked an impressive nine shots against Brooklyn, he should definitely be getting all the starting minutes that he can handle. Tristan needs to find another team in the offseason. That was a bad signing by Danny Ainge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because that money could have been spent on somebody like Christian Wood. Yeah, and I think you nailed it. Uh, the one thing I would say, you know, people always are really high on draft picks and, you know, storing draft capital and all that. Um, people are really high on Oklahoma City right now as far as their future prospects with all the draft picks they have. Um, that's all well and good, but when you come out with all of those draft picks, he did hit on Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, so we got to give him props for that. But outside mm-hmm. of that, not a whole lot doing there for the Boston Celtics. Guys like Romeo Langford, who shouldn't even be on the court, honestly. 
in the NBA in the playoffs. And then, you know, other guys, <laughs> Gershon, you got Vicelli, who's not even in the NBA anymore. Semi Ojale, who's, you know, wow. he's, yeah, he's still on the team, I think, but, you know, he's not playing anything significant. And, you know, it's just so I always caution people when they think about draft picks, you know, it, it's great, but I'd rather have a bird in the hand. I'd rather have James Harden, who I know is great, than a bunch of draft picks that I have no idea if I'm going to hit on them or if I'm going to swing and miss. Right. Exactly. Like, I mean, I do that. I do that in two cases sometimes, man. I hoard draft picks, but most of the time, man, like those draft picks do not pan out. You end up trading for a superstar anyway. That's what Boston should have did. But you know what's crazy? I think it was a few years ago when uh, Justice Winslow and Boston had offered, what, four first-round draft picks? To get mm-hmm. to uh to get the nine to draft Justice Winslow and then Charlotte was like no mm-hmm. I was like shoot I would have taken a full first round draft pick we, we all see what Justice Winslow is yeah exactly um but no like you said Gerson Wabuselli wow you <laughs> you took that out the page man. Oh yeah, I I wrote I wrote a post a while back about you know all the it was laying out all of Danny Ainge's draft picks and a lot of swing and misses there you know a lot of picks they thought were going to be higher but didn't end up being as high as they thought so you know I I I think Danny Ainge his heart is in the right place his head's in the right place but he's just he didn't get it done it's a win or lose business and it just isn't panning out for the Celtics right now. They still have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in their primes, but what they don't have now is a lot of capital to sort of move around and grab a superstar. So they're having to make trades like, you know, that Evan Fournier trade was a really good trade for them. I think they just gave up a second rounder for a guy that scores 17 points a game in the NBA. Anytime you can do that, obviously you want to do that, but that should be like a secondary trade on top of a trade that got you a superstar. Right, like, I would have liked that trade better if Boston would have ended up with Vucevic. Mm-hmm. You get him, you get Fournier. Yeah, Jalen Brown hurt. Okay, well, I got Fournier can go in and, you know, get me some points. You know, Vooch can be, be that anchor in the middle. But pair, pair him and, like, the Time Lord, whoo. Yeah, that's but, a good one-two punch. Yeah, but like I said, uh, Jason Tatum, he's going to have to literally score 50 a night and, you know, be Bird, Magic. I mean, I'm sorry, Bird, Mikhail, and Russell out on that court for Boston to have a chance. I like, look, I like Kimba, you know, he's, you know, played in Charlotte. That's one of my teams, and, you know, he did a lot of good things for the Hornets. He damn is good now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I hate to say it, but, you know, I mean, with the amount of money, like, I, I, th- I thought he would have thought he would have been more consistent with Boston. Um, I mean, I'm not seeing it maybe a full offseason. Maybe we'll get him back to Charlotte Kimball levels. Um, because, I mean, you, you, you want a guy like that to be able to get back to that level. Because, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a good guy. No, he doesn't. He doesn't cause any trouble. He goes out in the court. He gives it all that he has. So you I mean you want to root for a guy like that? Yeah, unfortunately, um, at the time, you know, when they swapped basically Terry Rozier and they ended up getting Kemba Walker back, that seemed like a good trade for Boston. But it, it has just not worked out that way. It's kind of been the opposite. I think if you ask Danny Ainge and Celtics fans right now, I'll give you back Terry Rozier. And you just give us Kemba Walker back. I think most people would do that in a second. Oh yeah, I mean, look, Scary Terry has done some great things in Charlotte, and I mean, pairing him and Lamelo. I mean, that's 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 just beautiful, man. I mean, I'm gonna look. Charlotte should have should have traded like Dante Graham, but I think based on his salary, I mean, he was only making what 1.7 million, mm-hmm. so you're not gonna really get anybody. That- may become sign and trade worthy. I mean, there's a need to do that. I don't want them. 
But, you know, he games. He hit 35% from three, but he shoots 38% from the field overall. So, I mean, you got to take the good with the bad. So, I mean, I see Charlotte doing something like that in the offseason. You know, you know uh, because that's their responsibility is to make sure that um, the team drafts the right players. So maybe the intel's all messed up and, you know, they're, you know, not drafting the right fits, right guys that can help Boston get over the top. Yeah, you never know with those sort of things where it starts with the scouting and where it ends with the GM. So it'll be interesting to see Boston fans again. You still have going into next season, if you even if you don't end up winning um, this series, which I don't think you will, but you still have Jason Brown, um, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, or Jason Brown. We can just combine them that way. Um, <laughs> you still have those guys. It's just, yeah, it's just in my head that way now. Um, but you still have those guys healthy going into next season, and then you'll take another stab, like you said, at the Campbell Walker thing. Hopefully an offseason gets him right or a little bit more close to 100% right, and, you know, he'll come out strong. And then you're not in the worst shakes. You'll probably be a top four or five seed in the East and take another stab at it next year. Yeah. But my question to you is, do you see a sweep? Yeah, yeah. I was predicting a sweep in this first round. I'm going to be honest, though. I didn't even think the Celtics would get to this playoff actual playoffs I thought they were going to come dead on arrival pretty much and not even make it to the actual playoffs so the fact that they did that and they showed some fight in the first game um, actually putting up a fight against Brooklyn that that's encouraging to me if I was a Celtics fan because I expected them honestly just to not even be here not even show up um, with how they played this season so yeah I'm expecting a sweep and it like I said any team it's going to be tough to beat the Brooklyn Nets four times in a seven-game series. Thanks. Yeah, it's going to be tough for anybody, and that includes Philly, you know, Milwaukee, all those top teams in the East. Um, I do want to transition over to the last two games in the East. Wizards-Sixers, really not much to say here. I mean, <laughs> Wizards, I get, again, I give props to the Wizards just like I yes. do to the Celtics. Um, they were kind of dead in the water in a quarter of the way through the season, halfway through the season. People were expecting them to be a lottery top, you know, five, ten pick lottery type team. And they fought back. They got a little bit more healthy as the year went on, um, was dealing with some COVID stuff in the first half. So Brad Beal, you know, doing Brad Beal things, Russ Westbrook doing Russ Westbrook things. But beyond that, um, you got a lot of developmenting developmental players to develop and take a stab at again next year i expect you know five games at the most here what do you see uh absolutely just i mean look if the wizards win one game consider there to be an accomplishment um for the team for the franchise um long term i mean they're probably right now is best a seventh eighth seed um they're gonna they're gonna need to well, okay, so, I mean, they had Thomas Bryant, but, you know, towards ACL, so they had to get him back on track. Davis Bertrand, they just gave him, what, a five-year, $85 million deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he, he was hurt a lot this season, so maybe you add those two guys, get them healthy, maybe the Wizards can do some more. Uh, Roy Huchimura, um I traded for him in my fantasy uh, basketball league, and all he does is get you points and rebounds and nothing else. I'm going to need him to diversify his game. If he doesn't, then I don't see him being a a, a long-term piece uh, with the Wizards. Yeah, he may be a candidate for a guy that needs a change of scenery at some point, um, needs another team to sort of develop him a little bit more. He shows flashes, like you said. There's games where they'll go to him two or three times down the court, and he'll get a bucket two or three times in a row, and then you don't hear from him again the rest of the game. So you see that a lot with the young players, though. They can get you numbers and points and look good in spurts, but they just can't get that consistency down yet, and that's that's definitely something I've seen out of Rui. Yeah. Yeah. But I do want to hit on this as a Chicago Bulls fan and this kills me every time I watch the Wizards, is Daniel Gafford. He's running up and down the court, blocking shots, making dunks, and the Bulls just gave him away for nothing. I just can't believe that. 
I would have gotten rid of Mark Cannon over Gafford. Like, man. Because he, like, Gafford would have been the, the nice, the backup center that the Bulls need. I mean, I liked, like, Gafford. So, I mean, you have your front court together. Um, you have a, a nice core. You know, they just need to figure out the Patrick Williams, I mean, he's he's developing, he's he's growing. Um, you know, Kobe White just he's gonna have to be more efficient, um, probably as that first guard coming off the bench. Um but the Bulls have some pieces there. I think if they keep it together, add some, you know, nice veteran pieces, you know, off the bench, the Bulls can make the playoffs next year. That's gonna, you know, put a team out. Uh, possibly. I'm not sure what team would be out. But I like the Bulls' chances long-term. They they hit a home run to trade deadline. Yeah, definitely. And give them a little time next year over the offseason to develop Vucevic and Zach Levine together. And they'll have something, something special there. At least a one-two punch you can go to war with in the East. So definitely like the chances – but I would like their chances a lot more with a guy like Daniel Gafford who can come yeah. in, give you energy, um, sort of that Mitchell Robinson-type player, block shots, get some dunks. He's not going to give you a lot of offensive diversity, but he's going to play near the rim and give you energy every time out. So as a Bulls fan, that, that just kills me every time I watch the Wizards, watch him you know, giving them big energy plays. I mean, what, I mean is he going to be a free agent in the offseason? No, I think he's still... On his uh, rookie deal, he might have another year after that, but he's going to get paid, you know, maybe not big bucks, but he's going to get paid a pretty good salary based off what he's done for the Wizards um, yeah. this, this you know, second half of the season and into the playoffs. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you can come in, provide some energy, play some defense, you, get, you have a nice 10- to 15-year career in the league. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we'll see what happens, but – Wizards fans, this is definitely not your year, but you do have some young developmental pieces. Um, you know, eventually Russ Westbrook is going to have to fade into the limelight um, if these guys really want to develop like they need to develop. So that's going to be interesting going into ne- next year. They're probably going to run it back with Westbrook and Beal again, but if you, you know, capture an eight or nine seed again next year, kind of begs the question of, you know, what are we doing? Because these timelines really don't line up. Uh, Absolutely. Like, I mean, this is their trajectory. Like, I don't see them going past, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth seed. Like, I I, I really don't. Which means, do you entertain trading Westbrook in the offseason? But I will say this, the Wizards got the better internet deal. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, at the beginning of the season, people would have said, you know, this is that's not the case. But Russ Westbrook, he is what he is. He's going to bring it every night. And people call him. a He's a number snatcher and, he, you know, chase numbers, all that. And he said it himself. You know, if it was that easy, wouldn't just everybody do that and get triple doubles every night. So I think there is definitely some merit to that. Yeah, like, I, I, I love Westbrook's competitiveness. Um, it's, it's, it's top-notch. Like, you know, like, when I look at him, I, I see AI 2.0. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely a good comp. So the last series out in the East, uh, we got the Hawks and the Knicks uh, tipped off a little bit ago. I haven't checked the score yet, so I'm not up to date on it. But I think this is the most highly contested back-and-forth series in the East, being that four and five um, seeds going at it. How do you see that one going? Offense with Trey Young against the defense and Tom Thibodeau and the New York Knicks. Defense is going to win this series. I mean, it may be 130 to 129, but the team that plays defense is going to win. I don't know if that's going to be the Knicks. I don't know if that's going to be the Hawks. I will say this. Nate McMillan, you just gave the New York Knicks some material in the locker room. Shut your damn mouth, please. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Like, really? Like, you know, look, here in, a, in, a, here in Atlanta, the sports radio stations, they, they're not even going to – they don't even answer, um, ask him questions about that. they just like, look, okay, well, look, we take it as an L. Just what are you going to do from it? And um, 
you know, he's been he's been everything that we've needed in a coach. Um, I mean, we got back on track. You know, we're in the playoffs. Um, but somebody's going to have to stop Julius Randle. That's, that's going to come down to, I would probably put Clint Capella on Julius Randle. Because I know John Collins can't defend him. I mean, John Collins is a good guy to have, um, but he just he just not strong on defense. So you got to put your stronger defensive guy on Randall. Um, hopefully, you know the Hawks will do that. I mean, they got some pieces. I mean, Bogey is playing lights out. Kevin Herter's providing some great production as well. Trey Young needs to be more efficient with the ball and stop turning the ball over a lot. Like sometimes I hear him on the radio, first quarter, six minutes ago, he already got four turnovers. That that's 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 gonna be key. You know, he, he gets people involved, that's gonna open up his game and you know he can be curry esque. I mean the Knicks gonna have to stop him as well. Uh, I mean, I don't see anybody on that Knicks team that can stop him. Um, so it's, it's, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see whose defense steps up. I mean, you would think, you know, Thibodeau would would have it. But shout a hey, shout out to the Knicks. They started to put together a good quality team. Um, I want my Hawks to win, definitely, um, just so they can at least win a first round matchup and then. You know, keep building on their success because I mean, I don't see the Hawks making to the finals. I don't even see them making to the Eastern Conference finals. So just win a first round game, lose the second round, I'll be okay with that because that's progress. Yeah, that's that's definitely something to build off, especially for Trey Young first time in the playoffs. Um, if he were able to win a series, I, I always go against the tide. So if probably 75% of the picks I've seen have been the Knicks. So I'm just going with the Hawks out of principle. Um, just give me the <laughs> just give me the Hawks. If everybody says the Knicks are going to win, as much as you know, I if I were picking from my heart, I'd prefer probably the Knicks to win this year. Just as a fan of the league, um, get to see the Knicks make a run at it again. Anytime you get playoff games in Madison Square Garden, you know that's a good thing. But mm-hmm. everybody's kind of counting off the Hawks, and I, I don't really think it's time to do that, especially when they played so well coming down the stretch with guys you mentioned like Bogey. I even saw Gallinari getting involved a little bit. He would yeah. play some point forward for them at times. So those guys were sort of rounding into form going into the playoffs. So they're they're not yeah. to be trifled with. Yeah, um, I was wrong on Danilo Gallinari as well. Um, you know, from a financial standpoint, I thought it was a lot of money to give up for him. Now, when he's been able to play, he's been able to contribute, which is what I like. It's just that price point, that they got to find a way to get John Collins his money. I don't think he's max money, but they got to find a way to um, keep him with their core because they have a they have a promising front court and they have a lot of interchangeable parts. Um, they've added depth, which I like, and we got. I mean, look, the Hawks got Lou Will. You know, lemon pepper wings for everybody. Mm-hmm. His favorite wing spot. That's right. Um, what, what was this? What's the strip club name? I can't think of it. Uh, Magic City. Oh yes. Yeah. The classic. Yeah. So I think we'll both go Hawks there, just yeah. to be a little bit different, go against the tide. Um, I hope it is a highly contested series, like you said, one thirty, one twenty nine every game. That'd be fun to watch. I'd definitely be in for that. Um, so we got two in the West left. Blazers-Nuggets, one game played so far. The Blazers took that one. And my preview before the series started was whatever the over is, take the over because there's going to be next to no defense played in this series. Um, And you saw that in game one. Dame Lillard doing Dame Lillard things. Jokic had a great game uh, per usual. But the Blazers came out on top. How do you see this series going? Blazers in five. Blazers in five? Look, I, 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 I... I really like Denver. They need Jamal Murray back big time. They also need Will Barton. Without those two guys, that 
You know, they're good quality guys. Jokic's got to do everything by himself. It's basically the Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. show. They do not have a third guy that can go out there and get them points. Um, you know, Monte Morris, I don't even know if he's playing. But, you know, they they rolling out the Argentinian point guard, Campozuto or something. Oh, yeah. Campozzo. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, he he's not a scorer. He's just a facilitator. You know, you know, maybe Dozier can, you know, get him maybe 14, 15 points in the game and help him win one game. But I don't see that over a seven-game series. Um, Aaron Gordon, I mean, okay, there's things I like and I don't like about him. With Denver, it works. It, he, he's better in real life than he is in fantasy life. And I think he has great skills. He's probably never going to be a 20-25 point-a-game scorer. We always thought, oh, Aaron Gordon's a pool man's Blake Griffin. And he's not even that. Uh, so, yeah, Blazers in five, they just can score more. And then let me see. That's a, well, that's a 3-6 matchup, so that means they end up going. It'd be like a Blazers-Phoenix matchup actually might work really well for the Blazers. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a series that would be, you know, a very close series and back and forth. And either team that came out of that, I wouldn't be surprised. And that's that's the case for a lot of teams in the West. That brings us to our final series, the Grizzlies versus Jazz, going to be the nightcap game tonight. Um, John Morant clutched up in the game, in the playing game there, made sure that the Grizzlies were in the actual playoffs. But taking on the Jazz, my take on this series is it's going to be really tough for the Grizzlies. I picked the Jazz in five just because John Morant, I really like him as a player. He plays hard. A lot of people compare him to Russell Westbrook or Allen Iverson. But majority of his points right now come from that 5 to 10-foot area. He likes to get in between the defense, kind of do the pull-ups, the floaters, the in-between shots, which he's really good at. But when Rudy Gobert is defending the paint for the Jazz, that's just not going to fly. It's it's not going to work out for the Grizzlies as well as people seem to think it might with John Morant. So I'm taking Jazz in 5. What's your take on the series? Yeah, Jazz in five or Jazz in six. Um, I know right now uh, Donovan Mitchell is out for game one. Um, I hope you talk him, pull it out um, without him. Um, that means the responsibility of John Morant is going to fall on Mike Conley or somebody like George Niang or, I mean, Joe Ingles or... I'm, I'm missing. I'm missing one guy. Oh, Royce O'Neal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean Royce O'Neal. Yeah. So I think it's gonna be a combination of guys that will need to uh, go on ramp. And I mean it won't be a seven game series. I can I can tell you that. Um, that. Like the Jazz can make it out of the Western Conference. They're my dark horse to make it to the finals. Good quality guys, good quality system. Quinn Snyder is a very, very underrated head coach. Um, and, you know, Dwayne Wade being part owner of the Jazz, I mean, he, he got his protege at the Donovan Mitchell. He might, you know, D-Wade might give him some D-Wade ways. Yeah, that was a an odd scenario because, you know, obviously people assumed that if Dwayne Wade was going to get into ownership, it was going to be with the Miami Heat at some point and the the reports coming out of Miami was he was offered from Mickey Arison who never gives away ownership in the heat he was offered a 10% stake and he chose to go with the Utah Jazz over the Miami Heat that's the story I don't know if that's true but that's kind of the rumblings coming out of the heat oh so do you, I mean do you know the ownership stake that Dwayne Wade has with the Jazz that I don't know. Let me see if I can find it really quick. But I know that the majority owner of the Jazz, Dwayne Wade, is very tight with. And he decided to go with someone that he was tight with. But I'm like, but you're also tight with Riley and Arison. So, I mean, I think I think there is more to that Miami Heat story, possibly. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, but... You would think 
Wade would, you know, go back to Miami and, you know, I mean, look, I mean, Alonzo Mourning is still part um, involved with the Heat, you know, they weigh the same thing. So I don't know if there's any, like, animosity or whatever, but there's more to what the eye sees. Yeah, and from what I can find, it, it, there's no clear cut this is how much Dwayne Wade owns in the Utah Jazz right now they haven't come out with that number um, but the reason you know kind of they surmise that he chose the Jazz was he is going to be able to be more involved in player development and choosing players and sort of the player development side of things um, maybe the Miami Heat were just wanting them as a face of the franchise and sort of a silent owner so you never know with those sorts of things like you said there's probably more to the story, and we'll probably hear about it someday, but just not yet. Mm. Well, I just hope that uh, when Wade comes to Miami and it's the Jazz in Miami playing, that they don't boo that man. Yeah, I don't think that no matter what, you know, that'll ever happen unless he just comes out of retirement to play the Heat in the finals and he suits up for the Jazz and hits a game winner. Then, Then maybe – He'll throw it in their face and they might boo him, but that's still it's still Wade County down there, I'm sure. Um, Udonis Haslam, though, I think he's a little bit more beloved now, especially after that last game he came in. He actually got some playing time and got in Dwight Howard's face a little bit. Oh yeah, look, Udonis Haslam, that's a dog. Like you, you wanna you want you wanna play with a dog like that because he'll 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 go in the trenches for you. Dwight Howard, I ain't never liked the guy. I mean, the only, the only good thing about Dwight Howard is his impressions of Stan Van Gundy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Dwight Howard, um, there's probably a reason when you see guys bounce from team to team to team to team, there's probably a reason for that, especially when you're as talented, raw talent as Dwight Howard was, and you see him just bounce from team to team. Um, there's definitely more to the story there. But you know what's crazy? He may end up being the NBA Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the stats are there. The skill is there. Especially those early Orlando days, he was just constant, you know, 25 and 15 type guy and athletic freak. So that'll definitely pump his resume up. And he got the ring now, so he's he might go for another ring this year. We'll see, but that definitely helps his resume. Speaking of Hall of Fame resumes, what did you think about Ben Wallace being announced uh, pretty much unanimously into the Hall of Fame? I thought I, th- I thought that was good. Um, I mean, he's, you know, he was consistent for as long as he was uh, with Detroit, um, you know, getting multiple rebounding titles, defensive player of the year titles, and bringing that gritty culture and being a catalyst for that, for those like Detroit team that made it far in the playoffs, that won that championship when they should have drafted Melo instead of Darko Milicic. But that, look, they had, Something special. I'm going to tell you, playing like NBA 2K, Dallas, like, I'm sorry, Detroit was that team that I love to play with. Like, you know, that starting five was great with Ben Wallace and Tayshawn Prince and Rip and Carlos Williamson and um, Chauncey Bills. And then you had Ronnie Stuckey coming off the bench. Oh, man. Yeah, and they even brought in uh, Rasheed Wallace in a late season trade one time. Yeah. and. That was big for them. Love seeing Rasheed Wallace and Ben Wallace on the same team at the same time. Oh, yeah. I also love to see uh, Rasheed Wallace at a cookout, man. Oh, yes. Yeah, that guy, I'm sure he's a lot of fun to hang around with, especially now that he's completely out of the league and sort of separated himself from the league. I'm sure he's letting loose. So shout out to Rasheed Wallace. Ball don't lie. One of the great quotes of all time. Um Definitely. (laughs) And then one other name for the Hall of Fame that was brought up, I don't think he's been voted on yet, um, but a name that was brought up on message boards and things was Robert Horry. What do you think about Robert Horry? Um, Kind of a guy that never was a starter or a top tier starter or all star by any stretch of the imagination, but he was he's got the seven rings, different teams. He won on all of them. Um, yeah. Spurs, Lakers, and Rockets early in his career. Look, big big shot, Bob. He's the Ariana Grande of the league. I'm telling you, these seven rings, man. 
Mm-hmm. Like he's probably top five greatest role players of all time. Oh yeah, for sure. I think that's yeah, pretty much. You can't really argue that, especially with the seven rings. Yeah, and I think you have to reward a guy like that. People are like, well, but look at his stats, seven rings. I mean, I mean that's that's who you that's you want you wanted a guy like that on on, on the team, you know. And and I think it gives more role players an opportunity to you know look. Only five guys can start, and if you can, you can carve out 10, 15 years in the league by doing what you're best at and sticking with that and just being ready when your number is called. But you know, um, before those seven rings, Robert Ory played uh, what, 94, 95, uh, Houston, and uh, you know, he was very athletic and he was giving props people problems uh year one but as he got older his game transitioned to more of a spot up shooter which provided him with a longevity in the league yeah definitely a glue guy a guy that could come off the bench um spot start for you if needed he could be in that starting lineup and of course everybody knows big shot bob um, if you needed a big shot in the playoffs uh, you could definitely count on robert horry being in the game and probably taking the shot so that's that's just something you really can't teach in the NBA these days. Well, I want to get one more thought out of you before I let you go. This is an interesting question, and feel free to think on it for a second. But who in the NBA, in the playoffs, do you think has the most to gain out of these playoffs? And who has the most to lose out of this 2021 playoffs? This is the great question. Um I think Trey Young has a lot to gain by having a really good playoffs uh, for Atlanta because that's going to, you know, start with his legacy. Um, I think Paul George has the most to lose because Clippers got a lot of pressure. You were up three games to one last year. You lose. You fire, you know, you fire Doc Rivers and you bring in Ty Lue and – they're going to tie loose. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but he has the most loot. Like I said, if he keep being pandemic P, oh boy, oh boy. Like Clippers Nation is not going to have that again. Like, you know, last year, I mean, they were pissed off. I was like, look, we got a new coach. Uh, you know, we got some new players. Pandemic P, he'll, he'll be, he'll be the, the PG that we need him to be. And like I say, if he else up again this playoffs, it is not going to look good for him. You know, some people will say, you know, LeBron has the most to lose. Nah, he doesn't have the most to lose. Um, look, he got a championship with the Lakers. Um, I mean, legacy submitted. Legacy, he never wins another title again. I mean, four is good. I mean, he's not five like Kobe. He's not six like MJ. But other than that, still a great career. Um, the other, the other guy that has the most to gain is Chris Paul. He can silence all his doubters by making it not only to the Western Conference Finals, but getting the job done and getting finished to the finals. I mean, I would like to see the Utah Phoenix make it, uh, this year, um, because I just think those teams are probably the most entertaining. I would say the most, I think... When I say the most complete team, I don't mean offense, defense, um, you know, shooting, rebounding, assists. The chemistry, the coaching, um, the intangibles part of it. I've been so amazed at what Chris Paul has done. I think it's actually increased his legacy um, going from Houston to OKC. And getting them a playoff berth last year when they really shouldn't have, or they should have looked tanked, but they got them to the playoffs and did the same thing with Phoenix this year. Um, and he only missed what two games the whole year. Now I hope he don't miss two games in the playoffs, but I think Chris Paul has a lot to gain here in silencing those critics that say, well, he can't ever get a team um, to the finals. 
somebody also has some the game mellow. I mean, I mean, he's not a star, but let's say if he gets to the finals, where's the conference finals? That you know, you, I mean, that means the Portland's getting closer. They still need to, you know, add some more pieces to get them over the hump. But I probably see Portland and Phoenix going up against Utah out of the Western Conference. Um, but like I said, I think that Portland Phoenix matchup in the semifinal that's going to be the teller. Uh, whoever gets out of that will make it to the final. I mean, will make it to the conference finals. I think Phoenix would have a better chance of advancing to the finals by against going up against Utah because if Utah goes up against Portland, I see Utah making it out. Yeah, it's it's a rare year where the one and two seed out in the West, Utah and Phoenix, are sort of the dark horses. You know, people were very excited by the Lakers and LeBron and AD coming back as the seven seed now. I'm going up against Phoenix. I saw probably again like 75 to 80 percent of the pick people picking were picking the Lakers to come out of that series, and that kind of makes Phoenix the dark horse. And then when you talk about finals picks. I haven't seen like anybody pick the Jazz to come out and actually make the finals, even though they're the number one seed, kind of been the number one seed all year. So they're definitely a dark horse. Um, if you had to pick one right now out of the East and the West, one team each, to represent their conference in the finals, who are you going with? Brooklyn, because as impressive as the 76ers have been, Ben Simmons still can't shoot. Uh, he probably he's probably gonna be the one to guard KD. Uh, I mean, you, you can't beat Embiid because KD will run circles around him. Mm-hmm. But that's the best possible. Like, if anybody could beat Brooklyn, probably Philly because they do have the depth, they do have the stars. Um, but I just Brooklyn man, they. The, they they made it work this year. And credit credit goes out to you know Steve Nash for you know you know people gonna say well well he just had the players and he can't really coach. I'm like you still got to manage those personalities and Steve Nash is kind of like same as like Steve Kerr. They're you know they're player coaches. They you know they understand how to deal with the media. Um, th- they got some intangibles that. You know, it goes beyond the X's and O's. So I see Brooklyn making it out. Um, I mean, look, it's not going to be the sexy pick, but, I mean, Utah. I mean, it's not going to be the ratings that, you know, the NBA wants. They would love to see Lakers and Knicks. Um, but I, I want to see the two best teams that, you know, just demonstrate, you know, the love of the game. And anticipate the playoffs, and it'll be interesting to see those two different styles. So yeah, um, Brooklyn and Utah. I like it. Yeah, something a little bit different there with Utah and going up against that high-powered Brooklyn Nets offense. So I definitely like that pick. Well, I thank you for coming on with me. Did you want to plug anything or have any takes you want to get out there before we let you go and watch some basketball tonight? Man, hey, I, I, I have no takes. I just want to say, Mitch, I do appreciate you. Uh, thank you for having me in. Uh, yeah, I was just saying, look, man, hey, I appreciate it so much, man. I'm glad we could chop it up. Hey, let's enjoy these playoff games, that intensity. And, you know, look, Memorial Day's coming up, man. Enjoy the grilling, families, good food about to get. Yes, sir. I appreciate that. And uh, hope all is well there in Georgia keeping it keeping it together there in Georgia for us holding it down in Georgia so I appreciate that thanks for coming on with us and we'll definitely chop it up again soon hey appreciate you man with your defense and he burns it Durant with the steal and an easy flush Tristan Thompson and Jason Tatum got caught